1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. There he is. What's up, Big Daddy? Oh, you know. Getting ready before the daughter's, uh, uh, elementary school play, I guess. <laughs> what is uh? What is it? I don't know. It's don't something know. about pirates. Something about as far pirates. as I know. <laughs> the holiday pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> right. The, the the pirates of the Christmas being. Be yeah. Nice take. All right. Well, I mean, normally when people hear your sultry voice, you're getting ready to talk about panfish. Uh, yeah. Or uh, the, uh, what was I, I was going to lead into it with um, something dramatic like the, um, oh man, I already, I had a bunch of them. Um, the, uh, the, the rogue schoolie scholar or the uh, Titan of <laughs> tight lining. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. We spread it on thick over here at full scale outdoors. Yeah. 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 And then I was like, man, we got to actually have a lot to cover because uh, I suppose we should tell people who we're talking to. I got uh, Lawrence Loma on the phone, uh, a well-known, well-respected tournament panfish angler. But you've since, so last year or so, you were into waterfall hunting, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, so this year you've kind of got into upland hunting, which right. we'll get into that. But more, I guess not more recently, but uh, I don't even more dramatically is the right word. But then you got into tournament bass fishing, which you had never really done. Not so much you, but your kid. Right. Well, uh, the high school, right? So it became the, the, this whole summer has just been, it was, it was a crazy summer, right? Because we're, I uh, became head coach of the Big Lake Bass team two years ago. So I went from a walleye guy to a bass guy getting into that stuff. And then I had to teach my, you know, let alone start teaching kids how to bass fish. 
I had to teach myself how to bass fish a lot. I mean, granted, it's a lot easier for me to do that because, you know, I catch been fishing your whole life and as a semi-pro fisherman, as a walleye guy slash ice fishing guy, all the above, so I had to go deep into the bass fishing stuff. So I figured, well, if I'm going to be bass fishing, I need to go head first into it myself. And and then became the head coach there last year. And then my son, you know, he's he's into it too now as a eight-year-old and did a lot of the tournaments with him this year. Um, with the ones where you can be the boat captain and the kid can fish. And as long as you have just the one adult and one kid in the boat, then the, the adult can help fish out with that. And then also though, but I also helped out and head coached uh, a couple of the high school teams um, here at Big Lake too, you know, and we got to, to do all that kind of stuff. So I did about six, seven tournaments of those, did about um, four or five of them with my son, you know, and it was just kind of a, it's been a fun whirlwind way of trying to learn how to bass fish as quick as I can and it's just been it's been pretty dang fun having the kids out there fishing it's been fun watching it uh via social media um just kind of I mean you took to it like a fish to water I mean how much how much transferred over from tournament walleye fishing to walleye bass fishing or to tournament bass fishing um I would say it was very easy and a lot of it has to do with the simple fact of figuring out, and I, and I kind of feel like I even have a niche in the bass fishing ways. And it's because of one, understanding the forward facing sonar from ice fishing. And then two, understanding walleye fishing. And then three, all of a sudden you realize, wow, there's actually a lot of bass on deep water weed edges, walleye humps, and things like that that are really untouched fish. And it's almost like you can even tell that they're untouched because these fish fight way harder than the fish in the bank and things like that. And so being able to find those fish with forward facing sonar out deep and fishing offshore drop shot and Ned rigs type of things, all that was pretty easy. And then, you know, you force yourself, you kind of force yourself to fish the bank a little bit, which I used to somewhat fish the rivers a lot with my buddy back when I was in my twenties. Um, a lot the Mississippi River over by Monticello here and all that stuff. I used to do that a lot. As so, fishing the bank wasn't necessarily out of the realm, but you know, getting off deep stuff that was almost like just pretty dang easy to fit, figure out. And then you realize how, how how big those schools are and all that kind of stuff. It's really a really cool place to bring um, when I'm coaching the younger kids, bringing them out there because it's a really super easy way to get them catching fish. Right? They don't have to target cast. They don't have to do anything. They just kind of have to you know, casting that area over there and they're going to catch a bass pretty easy. So that kind of stuff was really easy to transfer to. And, you know, you could use your walleye rods that way too also. Um, so being able to transfer over with the knowledge that you had, you know, from walleye fishing, um, I mean, you bring up a good point. You don't have to get any lures out of trees if you're fishing deep. But <laughs> 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 that's huge, not just for kids, but uh, – Yes, I'm talking to you, my brother, for getting in the trees, um, but some adults as well. As far as <laughs> teaching them, um, you kind of got a clean slate. I mean, you're you're talking an eight year old. That that's like I was thinking, like you know, coaching high school teams, much less an eight year old. Like that's just that blows my mind. Um, but as far as teaching them what to do, um, mm -hmm. like how do you go about that? How do you go about like explaining? you know, what you're looking at as far as like, uh, 
kind of the inside, your inside voice, your instincts are telling you to do this. And I, I've found that, you know, with guiding and teaching other people that it's those instincts that are mm-hmm. like the hardest thing to like, how did you know that fish is there? Say there's a really light bite. And you're just like, I just, I don't know. I kind of knew, you know, like, what did you find was like the best way to communicate that to, uh, new anglers? Um, the best thing is to really tell them to slow down. Um, a lot of the kids, you know, you get them in your boat, all they want to do is cast, 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 because that's what they do a lot of times, right? I mean, as a kid, you get on you get on the edge of your dock, you get on the shoreline, you want to cast, you want to reel it in fast, you kind of want the big stuff. And the biggest thing is just being able to slow down, right? Slow down, cast out there, give it time, and then concentrate on what your jig's doing on the bottom, right? And a lot of it, too, is it's kind of funny because I still use yellow line even on all my – Oh, my walleye rods slash bass rods, everything. I use yellow braided line for everything. So you kind of tell the kids, you know, hey, start focusing on your line and what your jig's doing and things like that, too. So you can watch your bite, feel your bite, do all these things. But if you're not letting it sit, letting your watch your line move, if your line's moving right, you're not on the bottom. So set it down there, you know. So cast out there, pop it, you know, watch your line fall, you know. And then when your line stops and gives a little bow to your, you know, body line, you know you're on the bottom slow down and concentrate and I have them concentrate on like looking at their line a lot and that really allows them to slow down and also bam they just their lines running sideways and, it, and those fish that are out deeper on the weed lines and, and humps and things like that those things just take off and run and those kids all they got to do is just start reeling right so the smaller kids that's the easiest way to get them going is just you know cast right there cast to the weed line look at the weed line you know don't cast into the weeds you can see the weeds in the top there you know cast the outside of the weeds and things like that, and then just really slow down and really line watch is kind of a, is an easier way to get people to slow down. I've found, too, that, that um, slowing down is great, but the other thing I've noticed is um, with kids, you know, we work with the future anglers in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and where, and even, again, going back to just inexperienced adults, you know, I've had people on my boat that have hardly ever fished at all. It's that they get a bite and they just start reeling, like, Getting people to conceptualize, no, you have to set the hook. Is, right. It's <laughs> like, that might be the hardest thing. That might be the, 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 where I fail the most. It's like, I, I don't know how else to say this. Like, you can't just start reeling. But I see that a lot. Do you, do you find the same thing? Um, yeah, no. I mean, it really matters really what you're using, too. I mean, because sometimes it feels like, you know, if you use little wider gap hooks, you drop shot with, you know, say – What's really helped too is like it helped their bass team a lot. One of our bass teams that we had, you know, they're like, man, we're missing a lot of fish drop shot. And I told, you know, I found out, you know, using the, the one of those number two Nico hooks, which have a little longer shank, and you really can't miss a fish there. And you don't have to set the hook hard because you're using finesse lures that way. Um, if you're going to the bigger lures and, and, and tougher lures, that's still something that I want to say, even as a team, we are weak wise because there's like a lot of the high school kids, even that we brought out to Vermilion, right? We're, we're up there that whole time. And it's, it's target casting docks with, um, you know, stupid tube jigs and those ones, you had to set the hook hard into them, you know, and you have to really, you know, really set the hook. And that kind of stuff is something that I'm really learning that, you know, again, I'm talking a lot of offshore stuff at first, but at the same time, Every one of our kids, because again, at Big Lake, we do we do from second grade to high school to seniors, right, at high school. Um, but every one of our kids, every year, by the first end of the first month, we have every kid casting a bait caster already. And what's really cool is I think, uh, what's his name? Um, 
I forget the YouTube station. I should look it up here real quick, but it's the guy who wears the Georgia hat all the time. Um, he's got a pretty good YouTube station, but he showed a, a electrical tape trick to where you on a bait caster, right? You can cast out your line, strip off about five, six strips, and then you put a piece of tape on your line and then on your, onto your spool, your line, and then you reel up on top of that. Well, you got these kids, they can't backlash. They backlash only to that tape. So, you know, they're not blowing out their whole spool line by casting. And then I started to realize, okay, well, cool. We got these kids casting bait casters real cool. And then I'm like thinking, man, maybe you just get these kids to graduate, you know, to eventually taking the tape off. And then I was thinking, well, wait a minute. In all reality, you just crank down the drag anyway on these rods. Just let them reel in the fish anyway. And then, you know, they can just eventually just take the tape off themselves or, or vice versa. And it's just things like that to where there's little things to – and then, but the thing is, what you're finding out too is a lot of these kids, especially the ones who don't fish a lot or don't have a dad who has a boat and things like that, is they don't get a lot of front of the boat time, right? So they don't have a lot of time, um, how do I say, target casting the spots because they're always in the middle of the boat overhand casting all the time, right? So there's things, you know, again, like setting the hook or knowing when to set the hook, knowing when to give them a second, knowing when. There's things like that that some of these kids don't get. So I think as, as a group, I think as a team, we're going to try to switch that around next year and really work on a lot more target casting than you think that you want because you want it to be able to be that easy to target cast, that easy to set the hook, that easy, you know, just the things like that that are secondhand to, say, guys like you and me, but those guys can, those kids can really uh, look into learning and, and learning how to do things like just setting the hook and, and target casting. That tape trick works great. I, I started doing that with uh, the fam kids, and uh, yeah, that works. That works awesome because, like I said, they can backlash. It only ever goes to that tape. If you know, it's super easy to get out. Uh, you're not spending ten, twenty minutes just getting tangles out the entire time. So that's actually been like that's a that was a huge tip. Um, the only downside is that like I use my own rods and reels like train these kids and then i forget that tapes on there and i go fishing <laughs> and i go i go to bomb a cast out there it's like bam I'm like what the heck oh yeah the tape's still on there no oh, yeah <laughs> like whoops <laughs> that is the problem like you can't just leave it on there too you have no drag but like you said if you're using heavier equipment you can just tighten her down and just let them horse yeah. anyways but and you know a lot of the companies out there too has been really nice to support that you know we get super cheap rods and reels and combos and things like that and you know it, it's so most of these kids get a spinning rod and a casting rod at a pretty decent price right away so they all kind of got their own equipment plus some of their our boat captains we give them a rod or two here or there to to make sure that, that the kid forgets his or you have a kid show up with no no line on his spool at least we have something for the kid to fish with when they're in the boat right and things like that too so we, we have some of the equipment available plus you know we have to make sure every one of those kids has a rod and reel at practice so it kind of helps that way that we that they have a cheaper way to get into it because it's really weird because you know as you and me and I, as and of course i've gotten into bass fishing like you said well now i got i still skipping j- jigs with it underneath the dock well of course i went out and bought a uh, what do you call it a dial a tattoo with the sv spool right make yeah. it real easy to cast skip yeah. underneath the dock well here i got my eight-year-old son you know he, he he wants he's dying to skip underneath the dock but you know i had him with the spinning reel doing that last year boom, boom, boom. Well, here we are fishing at Big Stone this year at the end of the year. And my kid is just like, I'm just going to start skipping a jig. And he's just in the back of the boat, skipping a jig. Next, you know, the kid's skipping a jig back there with one of those loose Mach 1 
it's an orange rod and reel combo and he's out there just skipping the jig left and right and he figured it out himself and he still has the tape on his line but still it's <laughs> so he's like but he's still but then he's got the tape off now and he's not even and he's out there just totally skipping the jig already and it's just like man i go it's just funny and some of the guys that we see and some of the coaches are like i can't even skip a jig yet and it's just it's really weird how fast these kids though can just pick any of this stuff up really quick and you just kind of got to give it to them and they got to have the want and a lot of these kids have the want man holy cow there's so many kids that just have the want and that's the best part about being the coach of these kids too is these kids have a want and now they can implant that man fishing's my thing fishing i don't have to do any other sport i don't have to go to lacrosse i don't have to do this the stuff i kind of don't want to do because i love fishing and i want to fish and it's kind of really cool to see that right now it's pretty fun watching these kids, and I really don't think we give these kids enough credit as far as, you know, just how adaptable they are. Because the same thing, yeah. you know, the first clinic we put on for FAM, I brought my baitcasters out, and I was like, you know what, we'll see. We'll see how they do with the the open face, you know, because I, I got kids out there that have never cast anything but a push button, you know. Yep. And um, I kind of just, like, right away figured out, like, you know what, we're diving right in. They, they were all drawn to it because it's what they see on TV, right mm-hmm. i'm like Correct. let's just try it you know and some of these kids just take to it like a fish to water i mean they're just they're so good at it and uh you can definitely see it's the desire thing because a couple of kids that are there i wouldn't say reluctantly but they're not super into it you know mm-hmm. um they don't really <laughs> take to it they just want to go back to what they know um, they're not really interested in like challenging themselves but then there's that percentage of kids that are like they're all in um Kelsey was one of them, and she earned a nickname Buckets on one of our ca- our clinics, our casting clinics, because we did sure. the thing. She got she was starting to really get a handle of 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 pitching with the you know we're hitting little buckets, and I'm not talking a five gallon bucket. I had little tiny paint buckets, and um, mm-hmm. then we you know took a break. We fished off the dock. We had lunch, and then after lunch, it's like we can go back and fish if you want and do whatever. And she's like, "Can we cast some more?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> like she didn't want to fish; she wanted to just cast. And by the end, I mean by the end of the the clinic, she was she was hitting buckets just like left and right. I mean she was she'd yell buckets, you know, bucket, bucket, bucket. She was hitting four or five in a row, and it was crazy. I was like, she went from never casting a baitcaster to just like doing what she wanted at will and it was awesome to see so that's yeah we don't we don't give them nearly nearly enough credit you know i think as as adults i don't know if we like to think it's harder than it really is or maybe it was hard for us or something because we figured it out later i know i did i didn't get into you know i was well into an adult in fact i would say it was i don't know 10 years ago where i first started skipping a jig you know right um so it's a little harder for us to learn, but man, they take to it. You know, we just think like, ah, you, you're, you're a kid. You won't be able to do this. Well, the chances are they, they can, if you just have the patience to, to work with them, they'll, then they'll probably start out casting you <laughs> quickly. They, they, they can, and they can do it pretty dang quick. And it's unreal. I mean, that one, that tape trick solely helps out, right? Cause you're not having a kid bomb out their whole line and now they don't have any line because you know even some of these mom and dads they can't necessarily afford afford putting more line on their rod and instantly you know all that kind of stuff so it's like it just helps out that that doesn't bomb out their cast but every single one of them it's like you show their parents oh yeah they'll be casting bait casters by the end of this week they're looking at you like i wasn't able to do that until i was in my 20s 
you know, and it's just like, well, one, this, this equipment, even the cheap stuff's pretty dang nice. And then two, it, these kids just, they have a want and they have a will and they, they want to fish and they want to be able to fish well. And it's, they, they figure it out. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I, I'm super envious of this generation. Like <laughs> if there was anything like this when I was growing up, man, I would have been, I would have been a jock. I mean, I would have been a fishing jock. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't oh, wanting yeah. to be into sports. I wasn't into sports in school. So fishing was my thing. There just wasn't any outlet for me to do it competitively. I remember when I was in Rosemont, I remember seeing um, one of my teachers had a a T-shirt and it said Rosemont High School Fishing Team, and I was like, "What? This is a thing? How do I join?" They're like, "Oh, this is just a this is a teachers like they had their own like teachers league or whatever." And it's like, right. "Oh, that sucks." Fast forward thirty years, now we actually have high school teams. <laughs> how does that work? Like, um, you you were the coach. Yep. What would you like? How often did you guys meet? What did what would you do during a practice? Did you guys go fishing? Did you just like cast in the, you know, out in the field? Like, what 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 entailed being coach? Yeah. So this year we split it up a little bit at Big Lakes, where we have the the we split up the youth, which and then the high school kids. So we split them up mainly because just to give the one to give the high school kids a little more in-depth tournament style fishing kind of get them into the competitive fishing now some of the youth kids got into competitive fishing too this year because there's a new uh organization called bats that they could fish some tournaments in um but the biggest thing was is first off you know that's the thing too is you know we instantly right away just now just got we talk about the kids and we talk about the tournament fishing right well we're not necessarily into the tournament fishing either we we want just to get the kids out fishing first right so our first and foremost um was getting the youth out and I took over the youth role kind of just directing and doing the, the practices there. And we started doing a, a Sunday night practice and a Wednesday night practice. And we split up, we had the kids, we had 64 kids in our system in our team Holy this year. Smokes. And, um, so what we did was split up, you know, kind of, you know, with a little sign up apps and all that kind of stuff is have the kids pick one day. And then as long as they're signed up then we knew that we needed, okay, we needed, say seven, eight boat captains, um, for this practice. So then we, you know, we all show up at a, at a spot at the lake or at a boat launch at a lake, um, for that Sunday or Wednesday practice, which was planned out. And then the kids, and then we'll be able to jump two, three kids. And we try to do, um, two kids per boat, but you know, sometimes if we don't have a boat captain, we get to three to four sometimes, but we try to keep it at two. Um, and then they just go out fishing for, from six to eight or five thirty to eight. Um, with that boat captain, you know, and then they, you know, that boat captain, you know, kind of mix it up too, which boat captains they have all the time. So they kind of learn something different because each boat captain's a little, um, better and good at some things and then other not. Right. So some might be better at offshore. Some might be, um, better, uh, casting the bank. And some, some of these guys are just guys with a boat too. So we got to be well aware of, of what kind of boat captain we have even too. And what these kids are learning, because if a kid jumps in the guy's dad's boat, who just has a boat, you know, and it is not really a big fisherman. Well, what are these kids learning? So we kind of really pay attention to a little bit of that. And then we also, what I switched up this year with the youth was, is having, because of that um, comment of necessarily the boat captains was, uh, I still have an onshore practice once a month um, to at least make sure, if not twice a month, this at least to make sure that one, the kids got the equipment they need to have. And two, they're actually progressing in their casting and fishing and, and fishing abilities and all that kind of stuff. And that actually was a bigger that actually was a bigger um, attendance thing that we had was the onshore practice more than even in the boats. 
they, I think the kids all together, you know, having fun fishing on the bank, you know, uh, over at Big Lake was kind of the kids had a little more fun just being able to do their little own thing, you know. And then we had the kind of the parents spread out, watch the kids, but the kids could just sat there and interact with each other, run around the bank, do what they wanted to do, and just kind of just fish on their own instead of jumping in the boat. And that was almost you know equally exciting as as fishing in the boat. So that was that was kind of the way the youth was. Um, the the high school that they met uh, every Monday. And then I, you know, I kind of, we kind of joined in with that. And then we'd have this, this the same type of boat captains who were there or try to get there and make sure those kids out there. And then we'd have like a little mock tournament or, or something like that too. So now not only we're just going out there fishing the basics, but at least we're, we're kind of getting the competitive juices flowing and understanding where and well some, where some of these kids are too, to be able to, to compete in those, in these tournaments and vice versa. So that's kind of how we did the high school practices also. How did the tournaments go down? Like the, you're not keep you're not putting fish in a live well, are you? Are these well, so all, all that is yeah, all that's virtual. Um, we we as a team we decided you know there's basically two different high. If we talk the high school tournaments, there's basically two different tournaments, right? There's the bass, and then there's the what they call the the student anglers um, MSATs. Um, so we we decided that we're going to stick with the MSATs uh, mainly because. Um, Becker's a big part of that and Becker kind of helped us get our team off the, off, up and running as, as a big lake team. And, um, so we kind of got into that, but then too, we liked that one a little better too, because, um, all that is actually ran through the same classic bass, um, app that classic bass uses. Classic bass lets that MSAT use them for their tournaments. So all that is, is, um, um, catch, record and release. So, you know, we go, like one of the big tournaments was on Minnetonka, right? And you're catching... You know, you catch your 16 and a half inch fish. I actually, as a boat captain, can help out with landing the fish and help recording the fish. So, you know, I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll net the fish for the kids while they're reeling it in. I'll get it out, get it on the board, have them take the picture because then I'm at least making sure we're doing the closed mouth, pinch the tail to the right spot, getting the most out of the picture. You know, give the fish, kids, give the fish back to the kids, do a hero shot and release it. And then it's recorded in that classic bass app. And then those tournaments are, you know, they're, so there's a two kid team. And it's their best seven fish out of that 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 app sorts out for them. And they're going that that's measuring, right? That's not weight. Yeah, it's me, it's measuring and then getting converted to a weight through a conversion chart or somehow that app uses a conversion chart to to put it to weight. Sure. Oh, okay. So then it converts over into the weight. Gotcha. Um, yep. And that's gone pretty slick. I mean, it, any any issues? I I think it's the best way to do it. I mean, you were we're hitting these lakes with some of these tournaments, man. There's 200 boats in them, and you know we're not, you know, it's all catch and release. You know, we're not no none of these fish are getting boat rides. None of them are, you know, even if they are injured in in part of the cast, they got a better chance of making it than you know if they, you know, if they got hooked funny and all that kind of stuff. They still have somewhat of a chance to make it because they don't have to go for a boat ride. Also, you know, so it's it's the best way to do it for the kids. It keeps everyone there. It lets let's say let you also catch, you know, without any some lakes. I always look at it because I'm an old walleye guy myself too. But there's, you know, I always think, man. The, when you do these catch record release, there's no fish regulations, right? So you just, you're recording the fish, catch, release it, record it and put it back in the water and we're ready to go, you know? Yeah. It's hard, um, hard to do that with walleyes and depending on the, the, the water. I know I listened to a podcast recently and they're talking about, uh, well, it had to do with those cheaters in Ohio, but they were talking about, he's like, right. you know, they have to be killed because sometimes these walleyes are coming out of 35, 40 feet of water and you can't really release those, you know? I'm like, mm-hmm. God damn, that's. That part kind of sucks, but I think I feel like bass tournaments. I think more and more are going that way. You know, they're in instead of doing the big boat rides and 
banging these fish up and stressing them out and tattering up their fins. And, you know, maybe they die a day later just from the stress built up and, um, you know, you just, you have no idea, but I just have, I have a feeling that that, that catch way release is going to get more and more yeah, prevalent. I really like it too. I mean, it, like I say too, the biggest thing is when you hit some of these lakes, I mean, yeah, we're hitting with some of the bigger, the bigger lakes, but the, it's also bigger well-known lakes, which other tournaments hit them too, you know, and you're talking, you look at some of those records, there's 1000 fish recorded in these tournaments, you know, there's 200 boats and they're all catching seven apiece, you know, and that's what, that's what they're recording too. You know I mean? There are a lot of them, they're, they're catching them. You kind of know it right away. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a 17 inch fish. Just get it back in the water even sooner. Now you don't even have to take a picture of it because right. you know, it's not, it's not going to help you. you. So that, yeah. It's not going to help you. It's because you kind of, you're, you're well aware of where you're at. You don't have to go through digging through your live well, keeping that one out of the live well. Cause you can't put it technically in the live well. Cause you got to sort it. Right. And, you know, there's just all those little rules like that that I think that catch water release really helps that out. I think so too. How so? How does it work as far as so? Is it like big lake fishing against Zimmerman or something like that? Is that kind of how it goes? Well, so the 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 first tournaments, it's just kind of um, it's everybody against everybody, right? So you got your team, you got your two person team, and then you got your boat captain. Um, the boat captains, all they do is drive the boat, and then again help them. And the only thing I can do as a boat captain is one drive the boat. And then two, um, help them land their fish, right? That's all I can do. I can't even tie their jig on them for enough, and I can't do that. But I can also call on a play, they call it, right? So I can tell them, it's probably a good idea to catch your jig right in front of that rock. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can, you can tell them that because in the bass one, I don't think you can. I don't think the boat captains can even do that. So that that's kind of different rules, and we haven't fished one of those as a team yet to do that. But I, it's my understanding, you know, they can't even do that at the bass ones. Hmm. The boat captains literally got to sit there and just be quiet. And it's like, man, that's just kind of weird too. But then they're also um, putting fish in the live well at that time. So it's it's got its pros and cons a little bit. But you know, I, I really like them set style that they're getting to. And then they're also they're they're testing this out with the new plan for the tournaments this next summer. Is they're going to test out the regional events instead of just doing one big event on Minnetonka and Leach, which they're doing that. But at the same time, I think a lot of us coaches, especially like you know, Big Lake and all that stuff, is like, let's have more regional events so we have smaller um, smaller teams hitting the – or smaller tournaments hitting the lakes, right? So let's say we just have like a West Metro where we have Becker, Big Lake, Elk River, Monticello, you know, Rogers, maybe put all them in a Western Metro area league, right? Well, then we can all go hit Clearwater – and then it's only going to be like a, a 50 boat tournament instead of a 150 to 200 boat tournament. Right. So I think a lot of us is trying to get to that, maybe even get in, into the thought process too, is what we have in a little bit is hopefully maybe we start restricting teams only maybe have five varsity teams get there, right? Let them have their own little in-house tournaments and you figure out your top five teams for these tournaments. And then you bring for only five teams of these tournaments per, per school, right? Cause some of these schools will show up at a tournament with 18 teams to them. Oh my you know gosh. What I mean? and, yeah, so it's kind of there's different ways to start reducing it, you know, just because of, again we're worried about the fisheries too and everything else, and it's it's a dang growing huge sport. This is just only going to get bigger. I kind of think I'd kind of like to see it that way. I mean, the conservation side of it's great, um, but just as far as from a sports side of it, as somebody who would want to pay attention to it, like you would any other high school sport, it'd be nice to see it where yeah, your team is comp- you have. 12 anglers, you know, that's, that's what makes up your, your high school team. And sure you can have more, you can have more anglers on doing it, but like, that's your starters, right? You have a 
twelve yep. student starter team, or maybe it's only six, or maybe you have three teams. And then I just think it would be nice to be to just to make it more analogous to other high school sports where, you know, Big Lake won the state championship this year. You know, so it's like all teams are out there and then it's like a cumulative weight for all the teams. So it's like school right. against school. You know, it doesn't become well, an individual go- sport. It becomes a, a, a literal team sport for the whole school. That I just as somebody who would want to watch it, that would yep. en- that would entertain me more so than just two hundred teams, you know, yep. uh, across the state and then there's one boat that wins. You know, I I just think it would be more fun watching a school. So, so they do have th- they do have that tournament. Oh, they okay. do have that they, they do have a final end of the year um what they call it team tournament, right? So they have each school then brings three teams. And um, then we have that tournament. And then each three team is weighing 15 fish per day all through that app, right? So one team could catch 12 of the 15 fish and, and, and register it and count towards the team's 15 fish. Oh, okay. You know, all and right, it's all sure. done through the app. Same way, catch, record, release, right? And so you're going 15 fish. And we actually ended up, Big Lake ended up uh, sixth place out of 22 teams last year. Nice. Which was really exciting. You know, I mean, it, it was exciting because – you know, we're a new team and a lot of our, our fishermen, you know, we even look at it as I think one of the coaches made the comment like, man, we did, we ended up in sixth place with half of a varsity team and half of a JV team because some of these kids, they've only been bass fishing for two years. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, a lot of them are not all guys who had had dads with boats, you know, and they're, but they're on our team and they're our best fishermen and that's why we brought them um, there. And then, you know, they did pretty dang well. They got six, we're only a, Point seven pounds out of first place oh, after day one. Oh wow! I mean, we, were, we were in it. It was pretty fun, and that and we were fishing Big Stone, and Big Stone was an awesome lake, you know. And it, it was pretty fun to be there. You know, when you're first saying that, my 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 first kind of instinct was like, ah, man, I don't know if I like that. With one team gets to catch most of the fish, you know, it's like I feel like each team should weigh their biggest five or biggest seven or whatever their structure is throughout the season. Yep. But then as you talked, I'm like, you know what? Actually, it makes more sense that way because it's no. Then that makes it again more analogous to other high school sports where you can have a superstar of the team. You know, you got the you yeah. you got the star forward on your basketball team, or you got the star quarterback, or a star wide receiver, or something like that. So maybe there is. Uh, a team, and more likely there is going to be a standout team that pulls more right. of the weight, and that's pretty natural, and I, I kind of like that. And, you know, why not give that spotlight to somebody, you know? Um, you know, you got to reward that above and beyond um, effort and success, well, I think, so. Oh, and it was really cool is one of our teams, and it's because of the boat captain, right? He couldn't necessarily get off of work as much as, you know, me and the other, there's, you know, three boat captains, right? Me and the other boat captain got two extra days of pre-fishing before the event. The one uh, boat captain couldn't get there till like half a day of the Friday before the two-day event. And, you know, we, we kind of put a, we put a lot together for him for that info. But, man, all of a sudden, you know, game day come, and this is, this is one of the really cool ways about it was is I'm watching the, the score tracker because I'm sitting there in the boat captain, they're fishing, I'm just sitting there watching it, right? And I'm like, wow, these guys, the team that showed up half a day, they all of a sudden, they have eight fish right now in the first hour. And it literally was, so what, one of the rules is you guys can collaborate on the water. So I knew where they're fishing, right? So I basically said, all right, kids, we got to go, we got to go see what they're doing. We basically picked up our boat, drove all the way. We drove a good mile down the, down the river or down the big stone, pulled up to where they were. And I said, all right, what are you guys doing? What's the game plan? What, what made the change of what, how are you guys doing it? You know, and 
they ended up moving off the shoreline a little bit where we were catching them on the shoreline. They were pulling them off and actually picking out patches in the weeds. And we switched our thing around and we were able to totally change our day ourselves and our boat because of what the one team was doing. Oh, you know, so it, 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 was a, it was a total team effort in that sense, right? Because they, they took they took the info that we had pre-fishing, did their own thing, and then that ended up being a better plan on game day, right? And it was really cool. Like It was a really cool team aspect from, one, all the coaches and definitely all the kids because they were all on board too. I like being able to share the information. I, I kind of like that. Like, as a coach, you could go into it with, like, you know – everybody that's pre-fished or what they've found you can you can kind of put that together and then you could be like all right team number one i want you to you guys go and do this team number two go here go here and then let you know and then holler if something's working or if something's not working you know and just right. play the game that way you know bring more strategy into it as a team i mean that just brings a whole different element to tournament bass fishing i mean that's so unlike uh, the pros, right? You're just, you're on your own. You actually can get disqualified if you're sharing information. So that, that's kind of cool. I like that aspect. Yeah, it. It, 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 was, it was a really cool aspect of it. And it was really cool to see our kids jump on board and, and then to definitely boat captains. Cause one of the things that, you know, we talk about it and you see the other teams doing this, but you see a lot of these tournaments because unfortunately, as you know, too, tournament fishing can be a lot of a type personalities and it can be really some of these tournaments you've seen in high school, it ends up being dad versus dad all of a sudden sometimes. And you even see it in the teams and you hear it. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's one thing that we're, we're a hundred percent going to fight. I mean, I'll fight tooth and nail from the big lake bathroom to ever get that way. You know what I mean? And it'll be, it'll be like, man, we're always going to be in it together. We're always going to be sharing information to, to the point of the rules. Right. So, I mean, if you're pre-fishing though, and you're catching them, like, the Mille Lacs tournament, right? Well, one of the kids, are, they're drop-shotting black worms. Well, what did we do as a team? We all drove to Reeds and bought every black worm they had at the place. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and so it's just kind of the way, you know, things happen. And it helped out all our teams at the end of the day, right? And, it, you know, sometimes your ego goes out. But at the same time, as you know, even in ice fishing, I can, you, you and me can fish two holes next to each other. I can give you my rod, but you're still not going to catch them like I did. You know what I mean? Yeah, unfortunately, and it, yes, I do. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things where the Eagles don't, this dad versus dad stuff just can't get in the way. If you guys want to really be an effective team and really teach these kids, let's, let's teach them. You know what I mean? Let's teach them. This is how we're doing it. These all these guys caught it. This is how you adapt. This is how you things like it is, you know, because, a lot of it too is, you know, you go back and forth is you don't want to put these kids on here, just bring them to a spot and catch fish, right? You want to teach them why these fish are here, why they're there, why we chose the spot and let them decide that too, in a way. Right. And, but at the same time, you still want them to be competitive and you still want them catching fish, right? You don't want them just to say, Oh, we're going to go do this only. I mean, you got to kind of be a coach too, right? You kind of got to be like, no guys, this is, we need to stop doing what we're doing and switch. And sometimes having another team do something different kind of helps you put that together, right, as a coach. It's one of the things I like about my club that I fish in. It's small, um, but we do share information, you know, after tournaments because ultimately mm -hmm. our goal is, like, we would like to send as many people to the state tournament from our club as can be, and then as clubs compete in the state tournament, there is a club award, you know, if you, you add all your weights together and – which is we're always kind of behind the eight ball anyways because we're such a small club. We just generally don't have right. as many uh, anglers fishing. Um, that's just how it is. But 
You know, we, mm-hmm. we share a lot of information. You know, we don't give spots that's, you know, after a club event, you know, it's not like, where'd you catch them? Give me, you know, give me your numbers. It isn't anything like that. But if you're like, well, how'd you catch them? Everybody's like, well, I was using a white fluke or I was using the, you know, black and blue jig and skipping docks or, you know, we, we say exactly what was going on. Like we don't, we're not really keeping any secrets. And uh, from what I've heard right. about from other people and other kind of some of the bigger clubs, it's not necessarily that way. It's pretty cutthroat. So, yeah. yeah, it's just fun. It's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just fun having these kids compete. It's fun having them do what they want to do. And, and again, to some of these kids, man, it, it's the best thing about fishing, right? It doesn't matter your skin color. doesn't matter if you're boy or girl. doesn't matter if you're tall or short. doesn't matter if you're skinny or fat. It doesn't matter. This is you against the fish. It's what you want to do. And it's what you want to put your work in towards you're able to get out there fishing and we're giving this platform for kids who aren't athletic to go out and compete and do things that they want to do. And some of them, that's all they want to do is fish. And we get, we got, we were giving them that opportunity, you know? Yeah. I see that you bring up a good point. It's something that I've been thinking about the last few years. I'm like, I just don't understand why we don't see more women, you know, competing in these tournaments. I mean, there are some, and I guess an argument made there, you know, slowly there's more and more, but you know, fishing, it doesn't seem, it's not like a lot of other endeavors, you know, it's not like basketball, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, you know, this would get me canceled on a major network, but females just are never going to be able to compete against men in basketball. It's just, no, I don't, you could take the five best females and you could take probably the worst five professional males and the females are going to get beat. That's just what's going to happen. Um, I don't mm-hmm. feel like that. I, I, I can't find anything in the fishing realm that would give men an advantage. You know, no. it's just, it's, it's mental. Um, it's, there is some stamina there, but women have stamina. They, you know, cross country, oh, yeah. you know, like that doesn't have anything to do with anything. So well, I just so don't the, really the girls see. Who, the girls who fish who want to fish, they want to fish and they're going to, yeah. they have the stamina. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's like, I, I, that's kind of my thing. It's like, I'm waiting to see some of these women really, really kind of break through, you know, and start competing at the Bassmasters level. Like, I don't think there's a any sort of bylaws that says a woman can't compete in, you know, BASS like that would, well, there can't be because we have, we have women anglers in our, in mm-hmm. our club. And one of the great things about a, um, a BASS sanctioned club is that you can win your way into the classic, you know, that, that's what, yep. that's kind of the draw. So yeah, absolutely. A woman can do it. So I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. Um, <laughs> That makes it sound no, more. That makes it sound more woke than it really is. That's not what I mean. It's not, I'm not like cheering like, "Go, ladies, you're a woman, here you are." It's just more like I'm just kind of, kind of surprised that by now we haven't seen it. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. No, and what I'm what I love about our team is, I, I would say two out of the top, and this is not even placing first, second, third. Two of our top eight anglers on our high school team are females. Oh, cool. And and they're amazing. I mean, it, there, there's one that I would even say she's up there to be one of our best and has the opportunity to be one of her best. And when she joined, the, when she was on the team last year, I, I asked her, I said, hey, well, what other sports do you do, you know? And she's like, I don't. I just want to fish. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. That's great. Because, I mean, this is just, I mean, I'm just like, this is awesome. Because one, I don't care who it is. When I hear somebody, all I want to do is fish, well, then you're you're on my team. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I'm like, yeah. you and me, we're the same person. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Man, that's pretty cool. So, so how did you guys finish overall this year? So, that was, yeah, that was, we ended up sixth place at that okay. team tournament. 
And then, we you know, we had two teams make the Tournament of the Champions, which one of the teams that I coached for the first Minnetonka one, they got a top 20 out of 190 teams Dang. to make it. Um, that was a, um, uh, a brother and sister team, you know, so then they fished uh, the t- Tournament of Champions and did pretty well there too. You know, they didn't – I don't think they got a top 20 or anything out of the 60 teams, but they're middle of the pack, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're both – both of them are – eighth ninth graders you know what i mean everyone every one of our kids because one of the things is a new team right and this is why i kind of was talking about that some of these kids who want to fish that's all they want to fish well we would have a lot more kids on our team as a high school team as just starting but a lot of the kids are like already like a lot of them are would be on our bass team but they're already on the lacrosse team they've been on the lacrosse team for seven eight years now right well they don't want to they've already been on that team right they don't want to bail out on their teammates after they've been on the team with them for eight years, right? Right. So they're not gonna they're not gonna make that jump to bass fishing. Well, some of these kids now who really want to fish, you know, early on they're gonna say, "Man, do I really want to go do something else and fish?" No, they're gonna want to fish now, especially now that's competitive. Yeah. So you go three, four, five years into the future, and you're gonna have some pretty stout teams. I mean, the amount of stuff that they'll learn in those four years is. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's good. you're gonna be making huge jumps that's gonna be cool that's gonna be, that's gonna be kind of fun to watch um, yeah it's, it's and i'm sure I and mean, you're gonna see more and more teams right you're gonna see more and more teams pop up you know there's still like there's still a lot of people you know knowing that we're a two-year club asking how'd you guys start you know and it's like well it's the the roadmap's there becker was a big help to us they've put out the, the roadmap out there and there's a lot of that out there and everyone that MSAT will help help every team set it up in their city, you know, and I know a lot of people like reached out from Buffalo to set up a team. I haven't seen them set up one yet, but I know, you know, it's coming, right? You're going to see those, yeah. especially these towns that are, and I even have some people from the inner city who want to start one too, especially some people knowing, you know, I'm from North Minneapolis. They want to start one, you know, and it's like, man, I might try to, you know, try to help them at least get off and running. And, you know, and, and again, it doesn't matter where you're from, what you do, all this kind of stuff. There's, there's, it's out there. And, and it's amazing too because every company, especially local companies, and everything else, they all want to help out their team. So the the money's even there for these kids to do this um, and jump into it and, and at least get started. You know, I mean, granted, the tournament fishing is still expensive. It still costs yeah. a lot of money to, yes, to fill a bass boat and a lot of money to, to, to stay in a hotel and all that stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of help from a lot of you know companies and not just in the fishing industry. A lot, a lot of local companies will help out these teams start up. Well, I mean. Hockey is expensive, dance is expensive, everything's expensive. I mean, it's like, I don't think it really matters. And that's what your kid really wants to do, you know, let him do it instead of forcing him to be on the basketball team if he's not really into it, you know. Um, Let him him be a star fisherman. But speaking of tournaments, um, going back to you, so you're not fishing the UPL this year. I'm not fishing any tournaments this year. Like zero, like none? You're not going to fish Frankies, nothing? Nothing. I'm just going to take it off let this go i'm gonna take it off i'm gonna go see my kids and fish wherever the wrestling i'm gonna be fishing where the wrestling tournament's at that whatever town that's at or wherever the dance competition's at and i'll be you know i'll be hanging out my ice castle a lot more this year i think the last year fishing nine tournaments and every and seven out of the nine started at negative 20 last year just kind of burnt me out a little (laughs) bit after doing this for 14 years and getting a little older i just i just kind of I want to take it off and just enjoy some fishing, get back into walleye fishing again, right? Because, I mean, I, I still love walleye fishing, especially out through the ice. And I haven't done that now in 15 years, especially, like, fish December, fish early right. January. Because normally when I'm walleye fishing, it's sneaking in a week or two, which 
if you're tournament fishing and you're doing the full schedule, you're not getting that in maybe once or twice until February, right? And then after that, the, the walleye fishing's kind of slowed down a lot. So it's going to be nice to start doing that kind of stuff again and, and spend time in my ice castle, spend time more time with my kids, and, and it's going to be a pretty fun year this year, I think, just doing something a little different. And we'll see how much the itch grows and grows back, but I think for now it's just uh, I'm going to be nice being warm and fish, the, fish outside <laughs> when it's nice outside instead of when, it's, when we have to. Well, that's a good uh, heads up to all the other tournament anglers out there. The field just got a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really fishing uh, tournaments this year. I mean, we signed up for Frankie's, um, but I'm not fishing Minnesota Made, although I might fill in for a couple uh, somebody, sure. somebody needs. Um, I'll still be down. I'll still be at them all anyways because um, I'm helping out with fam, and, you know, we do those mm-hmm. on the, the day before and, so I'll still I'll still be involved with all that, but yeah, I'm not. Um, this year we're kind of taking off. My I just didn't know what was going on. My move up here had everything up in the air. Joel, my tournament partner, he had bought a new house, so that was new to him. He's like, I don't know where I'm going to be financially. You know, I'm like, well, he kind of talked me into taking the year off. I was reluctant at first, and I was like, you know what, that probably was the right move. So hopefully, hopefully next year we can get back at it. Cause I'm not done with it yet. I haven't done it for 14 years like you you have. I don't have right. any young kids, you know. So uh, I'm digging digging the uh, the tournament, the competition side <laughs> of it. So I'm I'm all in. So well, and the hope is too is you know you watch the NIC change hands a little bit here now and grow. Hopefully, you know in the next year or two it gets a little bigger and my and if the tournaments get bigger because even Frankie's kind of took a hit a little bit after last year, right? And that's kind of like my, the downplay, right? If I knew there was going to be tournaments with 60 to 80 anglers in it. Well, I'd probably still be there. Um, and unfortunately, I like to say too, I like to be there to help it grow again. But at the same time, I've also been doing that for the last 14, 15 years now. So it's like, uh, you know, right. I, 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 I need to, I need to break off of it, you know, cause it's hard to fish these smaller tournaments when we don't have the big tournaments anymore and, and, and vice versa. So it's just like, let's just spend the time with my kids while they're kids too. You know, that's the other thing, you know, yep. my kids are oh, sure. eight, eight and uh, 11 years old right now. So it's kind of nice to spend the time while they're kids and be, be with them a little more, more and more as they can, instead of just being gone every weekend for tournaments. Right. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, taking bad beats uh, or just getting burnt out on it. So you were doing the waterfall thing. We're going to transition into that. Yeah. And then I saw you getting into Upland. You're like, I just had a bad season and I'm just like kind of over it. <laughs> so what happened? Well, it's a little bit of both because let me even go back up a little bit more too because my favorite thing to do is duck hunt. There's no bar none of it. There's duck hunting, but then if there's a good if there's a good goose hunt going, I will jump because nothing's better than me than geese landing the decoys. Ducks are a little more exciting just because there's more opportunity to shoot more ducks normally, right? When I say when I say this is just considering if all was good, right? Right. Um and and then you know so I still love I love the goose hunt I love the duck hunting. And then I noticed when I had my last black lab, and he passed away two years ago, that like the last three, four years, I didn't really hunt him a lot because I was bow hunting more. I, was just, I just, there wasn't, you know, there's not the amount of ducks there was anymore. Maybe the spots I had and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I just got kind of got in the bow hunting a little more. And I kind of felt bad because the last three years of my dog, I kind of wasted his life because I didn't duck hunt him a lot anymore. And my wife kind of brought that up to me too a little bit and kind of made light of that. Like, yeah, you didn't duck hunt a lot those last three years with him. Well, this year now I got a I got a one and a half year old lab. He's about he's still maybe one one month or one year seven months old right now, um, 
So, you know, I trained him to be a duck hunt and all that kind of stuff. And last year he was like six months at the end of the duck season. So I kind of just didn't want to ruin him as a duck hunting dog, right? So this year I'm all fired up. All right, we're duck hunting now. I got out of bow hunting because I had my shoulder surgery two years ago and I just can't shoot my bow every day like I used to. And that really bothers me because I'm kind of really, I'm really hardcore into that. Like I need to shoot my bow every day to know and be really proficient with my bow to be able to know I'm going to be out there and shoot a deer with it. It's just confidence thing in my head. So if I can't do that every day and I can't shoot my bow every day, like I used to the way my arms are. And so I was kind of like, all right, screw it. I'm done bow hunting. We're just going to duck hunt this year. That was kind of my attitude coming into this year. I got my brand new puppy. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we're going to rock. But we got to goose hunting. Goose hunting was okay early season for us. We shot a few geese here and there. We didn't have a, a super great hunt, but we'd shoot three, four here. You know, every hunt or every other hunt, we'd shoot three, four. So it wasn't bad. You know, got the dog doing that kind of stuff. Got him, you know, I'd train him in the blinds real well. So he's, he's real steady already, all that kind of stuff. So all that worked out well. Um, then came duck hunting, right? Came kill hunting. And my son, Jimmy, also is eight, right? And we talked about it, I think, on the last podcast. He got into hunting, shot his first ducks last year. But this year, he wanted to shoot his first goose. So, which almost happened, but we ended up being my other brother. Long story short, I ended up being my other buddy's dog, and his dog broke on the goose that landed in the oh, decoy. No. So, we never got a shot off at the duck, at that goose. And the other ones, we just never really had the right shot for him, right, to shoot. Because, you know, shooting the 410, it's still tough to shoot one in the air with the 410. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, it's tough to do. And um, um, so, I was trying to get one on the ground for him. You know, he's still only, he's only eight years old right now. So, it's like, well, so he wanted to shoot. So, we kind of missed out on the early season teal a little bit. Um, so we didn't do that much, but then came duck hunting season and we kind of lost our private spot. We're going and I thought, okay, well, it's going to be a lot more work to go drive around, find some ducks, but I wanted to make sure I found a, found a good hunt. If I'm going to bring my eight year old son with, I wanted to make sure that there's a lot of ducks there, you know, at least scouting wise and all that kind of stuff. And man, I put miles on my truck this year and I just could not find a really good duck hunting spot to go to. And I was just, it was driving me insane. It was just kind of like, I just, I'm not, and I put, I mean, this whole idea of normally, okay, well, you're just not putting enough hard work in to go find a lot of ducks. Well, man, I tell you what, I put thousands of miles in my truck to really find a good spot. You know, that was public. That'd be easy to get my eight-year-old son to, you know, going to get this way too, you know, because there's ways you can go out there still and still shoot something. I just couldn't find it. And I just kind of got really, really frustrated. And I even spent the whole, I took a whole week off. I think it was the third week of October and I drove everywhere around the state. And I drove up north, and I, my mom's places. I have a uh, we have a family cabin in Rondo Sacus area, a family cabin up in Park Rapids. And I told myself, you know what? I'm going to drive up to the Park Rapids area. I'm going to go drive around, and I put miles on driving around. If I can't find ducks, I'm saying screw it. And I'm going to go shoot some grouse. Well, I ended up saying screw it because I couldn't find any ducks that that Saturday. And actually, it was right after that NBA weekend because my daughter shot her deer early right away on Thursday. And then we went into that weekend and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go find some ducks. I could not find, I couldn't even find, I didn't even see one duck driving (laughs) around for a full sun up to sundown. I didn't see one duck that, that, uh, that Saturday after, um, the MEA weekend or it was the MEA weekend technically that Saturday. I couldn't find nothing. So I'm like, I'm just frustrated. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go grouse hunting. So I started like doing all this research you know being me being an it guy doing all this research okay how do i mean i've shot grouse right but i don't know how to i don't know how to shoot grouse right you know start watching like the flush podcast start watching all these other podcasts i have out there and then you, you start learning about you know aspen cuts you start learning about this that where location where and all of a sudden i'm just like full bore like 
man, this is actually really cool. I started finding some accent cuts. Bam. We started, I shot my first woodcock ever. I couldn't believe I was laughing. People actually shot those things. Now I shot one of those and I ended up shooting a bunch of them now. And I thought, those are cool dang birds. Now I'm thinking they shot some grouse. I'm like, well, this is damn cool. I'm actually able to go. And then too, you know, me being a little round guy, it's kind of nice, you know, getting some exercise in, getting all this. And now I'm like realizing, you know, it's kind of nice not having to wake up at three, four AM, go get the spot. Don't have to necessarily scout drive around waste all the gas but it's kind of cool just getting up eat breakfast go out to the woods grab my dog and then now i got my dog you know that i i've been training getting all excited for the season and he hasn't had a duck retrieve yet at that point and i'm like this is i just got to get him on bird so this is the way to do it and and then i had to transfer him you know to from being a duck dog to he'll stay sitting you know sit in your blind don't move be quiet to all right, dude, go, you go, you got to go find the birds. Right. So I had to transition to training with my dog a little bit to, to get into this a little more. And he, he eventually got into it. Now he's, he's got nose to the ground. And when, I, when we get out of the truck, it's pretty nice to, to get to that point. Um, but it was just that transition. And the next thing I would realize, I'm like, man, we did, I did three days of grouse, shot a few grouse, shot a bunch of woodcock. And I thought, man, this is just, this is actually pretty dang fun. And I don't know if it's like a midlife crisis type of thing, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but it was just, it was a lot more fun than driving around trying to find a, uh, a, a good duck shoot. Then, and then would I say it's more fun than a duck shoot? No, but with the amount of ducks that I'm seeing this whole year, it was just, it was the way to go, you know. And then all of a sudden you start sneaking down, and we actually had gotten friends uh, with some wrestling parents here that were, you know, part of the wrestling team here, and they invited me down to Marshall, Minnesota to go do a, a pheasant hunt with them that next weekend after MEA weekend. And I went and there, did that with them and we shot our limit, you know, in that first, the, the first field we went and walked and that was public land, Marshall area there. And man, we had a limit the first time. I'm like, man, this is dang fun. I don't know, man. And then the next, you know, I just been kind of had the bug and now that's all I want to do is upland hunt. <laughs> well, I think you're, you're somewhat similar to me in that you like a new challenge. And then when you yeah. take on that new challenge, you go, you go full dork on it. You nerd out on it. You, same thing, you start reading into this and you watch videos and it's a whole new puzzle to, to solve. You know, I think I know I'm that way and it sounds like you're that way too. So that can definitely mm-hmm. be that. And, you know, there's no downside to it. The good side is you're going to learn this other skill. You're going to learn this other, this hobby and you're going to gain some proficiency at it. And then you can, all, it's not like you can't go back to duck hunting. It's not like you forget what you learned duck and goose hunting those years because there's going to be times where, you know, in this year the grouse numbers are up, you know, they're actually yeah. up, they're up outside of their normal cycle. Um, yep. So there's going to be tough years, you know, and you're going to find those years where you're like, man, just like you were putting on miles and miles, miles on your truck trying to find ducks, there's going to be times because you don't really scout for grouse or pheasant you know you go hunting and they're there or they're not there's going to be times there are going to come years where you're going to go out and you're going to walk for miles and miles and miles and you're like dude i've hunted for three weekends now and i have yet to flush a bird and just because their numbers mm-hmm. are way down you know mm-hmm. that might be the time to be like you know what i think it's time to go sit in the blind tomorrow <laughs> oh, 100 <laughs> and so you're it just it opens up your you know you have more options you can do whatever, but I will agree. It is nice not having to get up at the butt crack of dawn or hours before the butt crack of dawn. Um, you can sleep in, get breakfast, head out to the woods. That part is pretty nice. It was a good year to do it. I don't even have a dog. I mean, I'm just right. I'm walking trails and 
you know, trying to, you know, flush these birds and, and get a shot off or half time or not even half, I'd say 90% of the time I don't even shoot. You know, I put the shoulder up and I'm trying to find them and then they're already well gone before I even get a shot off. So, you know, having a dog, you know, part of me was thinking like a dog would be great. It's definitely great once you actually do down one and finding it. Mm-hmm. Cause those things, the camouflage on a grouse is unreal. Oh, it's unreal. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but, um, Part of me this year, the the birds I did end up shooting, I'm like, I don't know that a dog would have helped me because these things were flushing, like, so far out. You know, it's like, I don't know, like, would the dog just flush them way out of range or, and this is my ignorance talking now because I don't have, right. a, I don't have an upland dog. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm talking completely out of my ass and if I would have had an upland dog, I would have had even more success. It's very mm-hmm. possible. Um, but it's the scenarios that I ran into, I'm like, man, I just don't know that a dog would have really helped me. For sure would have helped me retrieve them, but not necessarily so much shoot them. So the transition with my dog, right, because like I say, he's he was one and a half years old at the beginning of this year, right, and I trained him to be a duck dog and all that kind of stuff, and it's kind of nice. Like, if I even look back at it a little bit, because, again, I didn't train. My last dog, I thought, man, you'd be a good pheasant hunt dog too, and I think we went pheasant hunting like once or twice in North Dakota with that dog. And, you know, and he did all right, but he didn't know where to go look for the bird, right? He always wanted to stay heel because you walk, you walk heel as a duck dog, right? They're taught. You walk heel next to dad. I don't get, right. I don't get yanked on. I don't get shocked. I don't get whatever. So walking on heel, being close to dad has been really good. So what's really nice is, well, now I have a dog that only works close to me, right? So I got him to get out in front of me, but he's not getting out in front of me far. He's the farthest in at the most he gets at 30 yards and that's at the swing, you know, the back end of the swing, but he's staying right by me. You know what I mean? He, we're still doing the flushing thing. There's no way he's going to ever be a pointing lab or whatever they want to say like that. But you know, we're just flushing birds together. So he's staying close to me. So everything is really never really getting spooked. And then what I'm finding out too, from a lot of that stuff is that, you know, those type of dogs are the best ones to have late season pheasant hunting because they're close, staying close. They're not getting out in front of you and not making birds run. But they also, now that you get a flusher, they'll actually go. Because if you get a pointer later in the season, I'm finding out from this, again, this is just from what I'm reading and listening to, is if you have a pointer, well, a lot of those birds, late season pheasants, will run on those pointers, right? They'll go point, but then but by the time you get up to where the pointer is, that bird's already 50 yards ahead of that bird, and mm. the bird's no longer there. You know what I mean? So it's kind of nice having the the lab or a flusher that's going to see the bird, and if they see the bird, they're going to go get it. They're going to go, I mean, I, I was uh, pheasant hunting last Sunday, and I'm watching my dog and the cattails, and all of a sudden he just starts going, you can tell he's on a bird, and I'm like, go look at him, and I'm kind of just more, I'm still learning this too a little bit, right? Because I'm learning like, oh, my dog's actually birdie there. This is what I learned at the time. Well, then you see this, you see this pheasant get up, and I screwed up. I didn't hit my safety all the way with the gloves I was wearing. It was, it was one of those first cold days. And I couldn't, I didn't hit the safety all the way in. So I tried to pull on it and I, I missed it. But I remember seeing the rooster get up off my dog. My dog actually probably had him pinned. It was probably sitting there wrestling with him for a while. Oh, because wow. that bird got up, that bird got up and it had feathers just like everywhere sticking out of him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I couldn't shoot him though because the damn safety was on. And I'm like, okay, well, that was cool. And I thought, man, I should have freaking just knew that was a bird right there and got up really right next to it. And then I would have been even more ready, but I sat there and watched it at 15, 20 yards instead of actually going, oh, damn, my dad, my dog's on a, I know, <laughs> my dog's pretty damn birdie, but I get over there. 
And my guess was he was just attacking it. So it's kind of like one of those things. It was kind of cool, the progression of teaching my dog to be a duck dog first so he stays close and then doesn't shake up birds, you know, far in front of you. Yeah, that's – has it, has it gotten to the point where you're thinking of getting a getting a pointer? You're thinking of getting another yes. dog? Well, not now. I mean, my progression was anyway because the last dog, my last duck hunting dog, right, he died at the age of 10 two years ago, and we finally we had like a year and a half, almost two years off without having a dog. So I always thought, man, I'm getting another dog before this dog passes away. Start doing like that five-year transition back yeah, and forth. Yeah, sure. So I think what I'm going to do – is the next dog will be a pointer. Next dog after that, lab, pointer, lab, pointer, lab. It's kind of progression. I oh, want to there go you now. go. That's a good idea. So it's not going to be like, oh, I got to get a pointer now. It's, it's no, the next dog will just be a pointer. There you go. And it also give me a year or two to make sure that's a good decision. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully your uh, overlapping lines up with uh, bird numbers, you know, you have, you have a well, point, you have a pointer when the, when the upland birds are up and then you have a, a duck dog when maybe they're not so great. <laughs> right. And it's like anything else too. I mean, heck, it's, it's gotta be where these duck numbers are just down. I mean, I, I'd put a lot of miles on. I just didn't see the numbers. Like, you know, I hunt a lot of decent areas too, where there should be ducks there no matter what, you know, at least some, I mean, I'm talking, I drove around where I just didn't see nothing this year sometimes. And I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. They're getting pretty and weather, just weather really dependent weird. too. I'm finding, um, you know, weather yeah. is just playing a big role, which you probably already always had um but it seems like it's playing a larger role then you got pressure involved and you know there's a lot of x factors that that go into it for sure um and it's like anywhere else there's some guys i'm sure in the state of minnesota just absolutely whack them and say you're nuts right well of course well you guys had good spots you know what i mean and it's just you were there at the right time the right place and it just happens to be your year, right? And it's just like, you know, I hunt a lot of, like I say, the Alex Osakis area. There should be ducks over there. And I just didn't really see as many. They may need to make it worth it, right? I mean, you can always just go out every morning and you're going to have a good morning just by going out there. But right. I'm talking about scout and seeing birds, knowing it's going to be a good one. Let's let's bring my eight year old son out there, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's just kind of what I've been talking about in that sense. And well, and you're 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 somewhat restricted too because you need something accessible for an eight year old too. You know, it's like you're not going to sludge yeah. through a, a two miles of swamp to get to this honey hole with an eight year old. So you are exactly. you are kind of restricted as to where you can go too. That that plays a big part of it because. You know, I've kind of found too. There is, there is. You know, you put in some work, you can get into some really good areas, but that's not really, not really an option with an eight-year-old. Yeah, and it's just, it's again to it, and then you, like you say too, you get that bug of upland hunting, learning something new, like you're saying. And I, I still have this vision, and I know it's going to happen because it has happened in my past of where I have gone grouse hunting. Is I'm going to go grouse hunting one of those times, pull into a little pothole in the trees, and I'm going to find all these mallards sitting there. And guess what I'm going to be doing that evening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and you know, it, that stuff's got to happen. It's it's going to happen. It's going to happen pheasant hunting. It's going to happen duck hunting. It's going to be like, okay, bam, I found this spot. It's going to be like that. And it, it, things are going to line up that well, and it's going to be a heck of a weekend those weekends. <laughs> yeah, you're going to find a little beaver pond just loaded with wood ducks or something, you know. Be like, well, this will be an easy one. Come on, come set yeah. up here tomorrow. Exactly. Definitely. Oh, all right. Well, I think we covered all the bases. Are you going to be at the uh, St. Paul Ice Show for anything? I am not. I'm actually taking that off, too. Dang, dude. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to be tournament ice fishing this year. I really don't have any more obligations to sponsors or anyone this year because 
some of those we're up to this year. And I was just like, you know what, let's just take this all off and let's just be there. And the other thing is too, is, I mean, I, I love the show, but I also like going to state fair and things like that, but I can only, and I'll rally. If I'm there working, it's one thing, but if I'm there going to be there just to go see stuff, it's like, it's the same stuff year after year. And the new stuff this year, there's some new stuff that I've seen that kind of excite me, but it's not like I need to go to the show to see it. And, you know, it's cool to see the people, all that kind of stuff. I just thought myself, you know, I'm probably going to go pheasant hunting and maybe do the light vision. Huh. I mean, who needs the physical show when you already watch the uh, the SmackDown Outdoors virtual show, right? That has everything anybody ever needs. Yeah, I did that instead of going pheasant hunting. Let me see you. No, <laughs> yeah, no I, right. I did watch a few of that. It's pretty fun. It's, you know, it's cool. It's kind of neat to see. And again, too, it's it's being part of the the industry a little bit as in myself too it's like i know what's out there and i don't need to really go shoulder to shoulder with everybody so all right what's what's next up on the agenda um you got a, a fishing it, trip planned you know nothing's planned yet this year other than i will be in my ice castle a lot more even you know i work remotely so i might have to work a few times in the ice castle this year and do that kind of stuff Jeez, and otherwise it's that's rough it, I'm still going to not now that I'm not. So that's the other thing too, is right. I've never really did a lot of late season. Like I'm still going to maybe muzzle loader once or twice more, more still try to shoot a deer that way. Um, I'm going to obviously late season pheasant hunt here because now we're not getting ready for the national championship now this year. Right. Cause normally that national championship is that first weekend before December. So normally, you know, right after that ice show, I'm almost up there for that week and a half for that national championship pre-fishing, you know, right. for, that whole time. So you're trying to get stuff ready for the national championship, all that stuff. Well, heck I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be out there, wake up in the morning, maybe, maybe not pheasant all day long, but pheasant hunt, you know, a couple fields each time. Cause that's what I'm finding out too, is you learn about the pheasant hunt and it's, it's all about the dog power. Dog power is a lot different than oh, duck yeah. hunting, right? You can, you can duck hunt your dog all day long. Man, you have your dog running around these, these cat flus, your dog gets wore out in a day. Um, so if you don't have the dog power, it's kind of a bad deal to try to run him two, three days in a row uh, pheasant hunting. So if I can just get a half a day in pheasant hunting, another half a day ice fishing, you know, going to the night ice fishing, that's what the next few weekends are going to be. That doesn't sound terrible. No. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a pretty good weekend to me. Or weekday if you got work remotely. That's, man, that sounds like perfect. I might sit there and work and have some lines in the water and a rattle reel or something. Heck, yeah, why yeah. not? That's, that's that's a win-win right there for sure. You're still technically getting paid to fish. Still technically, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not and the rattler might go off, you know. Yeah. That's the hard part too. You know, being such a hardcore tournament angler, you always think, oh, you bring that ice castle, you know, you bring all your clothing, all that stuff to get out there. I mean, I'm going to be out there during the prime time. I'm going to go do a different spot. This is just going to be night stop. I, you know, and I tell you what, you, you sit in that ice castle and you you wake up about an hour and a half before sunrise because the rattler reel went off, right? You catch that one, go back, lay in the bed. The next rattle reel starts going off. You catch another walleye. And all of a sudden, you're, like, realizing, oh, I better grab a jig rod. So you start jigging in there. And all of a sudden, you realize the sun already came up. And all of a sudden, you start getting bacon cooking and all this kind of stuff. And you <laughs> kind of wonder, well, whatever happens, it's hardcore morning. <laughs> right. Exactly. I remember years ago, we were on Mille Lacs at my buddy's uh, wheelhouse. And we were, up, we were all fired up. We were going to, you know, just – turn relax and Swiss cheese, do a bunch of hole hopping, try to find some perch and walleyes or whatever else. And we wake up that day and it was cold and windy, you know, just blowing to beat hell. And we're looking, we're all in our jammies, you know, looking out at the window and 
We're like, yeah, it's pretty comfortable in here. Maybe we'll whole hop tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> just, those, <laughs> those, those things, man, they, they have a tendency to make you real lazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then he's, and then the evening comes by. You start drinking a beer. Oh yeah. The, the rattle reel goes off again because it's getting to be nighttime. You know, and you're like, huh? Do I really want to go out now? Because already had <laughs> now. You had two, three beers. And... <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. So we'll uh, see how much of the hardcore fishing comes out of me out of this. But I'm sure there'll still be the days where I get out there and go. But it's just going to be a nice little break winter this sure. year. And then the other thing is too is my goal. My goal is, if I have a goal this winter, is to get back on the board of finding good places for an ice castle, for an all-day sit, right? Because, I mean, I've gotten so entwined of that go, 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 and then you now, in the last few years, you throw on that freaking forward-facing sonar, and then it's even more go, 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 drill two, three hundred holes in a day. Right. And, you know, pe- people people don't believe that you actually drill two hundred holes in a day. It's, it's pretty dang close that we do that. And... I tell you what, it's it's going to be nice to actually start looking at a map again and understand. I mean, I even stopped looking at maps because lakes are so unpredictable. A fish location and forward-facing sonar will tell you where the dang things are anyway. So why do you even care about looking at a map? Well, now I'm you know if I'm going to be walleye fishing, spots fishing, get back to reading maps, get back to understanding yeah. where a spot is the fish, spots on the spots, things like that, right? And utilizing the tools to do that and get back into that game a little more. And I think that, you know, heck, maybe it'll even go around me again to get back in the tournament someday too that way. Those are fun. I mean, that those challenges and it's just, like I said, it's a different puzzle, you know, two totally different things. But, you know, when you're when you're not mobile, yeah, you want to take time and really study and, and try to up your percentage by being in the right spot, you know. Um, that's that's pretty cool too. Well, I know you got stuff going on tonight. You got that, uh, is it a play? You got a play coming up? Yeah, it's a it's an elementary school play, so we'll be there. A pirate Christmas, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, it's a pirate something. So I'll That's probably be in awesome. trouble because they probably hear me mis- not knowing. So ah, You'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be all good. Oh, all right, Lawrence, appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on the show. We'll have to do it again. I'll find a, I'll find a big bluegill crappie spot up here. Actually, this lake that I'm on here is is it's not known for walleyes, but there are big walleyes in there. There was a 32 incher cut out of here last winter. So, I mean, if I well, I'm going to tell you what, if I figure we, that we one out, ske- you can put a nice house up here. <laughs> I'd say we need to schedule it. We need to schedule it, and then we're going to have a flight companion in the ice castle. Oh, we need to schedule that out. Oh man, I'm totally down for that. That'd be fun. I'll I'll scout out a good walleye spot, and then uh, yeah, we could even we could even daytime panfish somewhere. Go back, start the start the flight companion and catch a 30 inch walleye that wouldn't be the worst thing we should we should try that because i know those lakes up there are fantastic so yeah they can be we will we will be in touch sir awesome man all right have yourself a wonderful <laughs> night have a good one man bye, bye. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm ill there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.